It's time to talk sports. It's Hacksaw's Headlines. A panorama of the world of sports. Stories, comments, and opinions. Now, here's iconic sports talk show host Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and co-host John Riley. Who wants to talk sports? We do. It's a Thursday up and down the West Coast. And from our Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center studios in San Diego, we welcome you to our weekly podcast, Hacksaw's Headlines. This is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, along with my co-host, John Riley. We welcome you coming out of the Super Bowl, going towards spring training baseball, and everything else. The offseason has begun. Absolute ton of topics on the table. We're going to go a lot of different directions. Our podcast is brought to you by Dixon Line Lumber and Home Centers, nine stores in San Diego, serving our community for more than 100 years. You got projects. These are the best friends when it comes to getting those projects done at Dixie Line. And by North County Eye Center of Poway and Escondido. We all need help with our eyes, if not today, down road, whether it's cataracts, whether it's contacts, whether it's glaucoma, whether it's vision test, think North County Eye Center, Poway and Escondido. John Riley, I'm in a NFL <laughs> funk. There's no football to look forward to this weekend. It's kind of a radical lifestyle change. But we got a lot of things to talk about. Well, there's a lot of NFL topics on the headline list today, so I think you'll get your fix that way. And before we get started, for everybody's joining us on our live stream, at the end of our podcast, we do something unique. Nobody else does it. It's called Fans Forum. You like it? Great. You don't like it? Blame him. John Riley's the one that created Fans Forum. He'll explain how you, on the live stream, Get to join us immediately. Yeah, you got some smack you want to talk with Hacksaw? Man, we put your posts, your social media posts up there. People are like, well, I love Hacksaw. I hate Hacksaw. Everyone's got an opinion. If you got a thought or a comment, you know, just drop it in the live chat on Facebook, YouTube, or on Twitter, and we'll get you involved in Fans Forum. And a reminder, if you like sports, check my website. I write on it every day. The best 15 minutes in sports, Hacksaw's headlines, one man's opinion column, as well as my popular, unpopular Hacksaw mini <laughs> polls. That's on my website. And in addition, we got something new that we've rolled out for 2024. You want to be part of our team? John, explain the Insiders Group. Yeah, the Hacksaw's Insiders Group. You can join the team. Go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com. Upper right corner, there's an orange box. Sign up. Drop your email there. Get on our list. Get Join the team. We're sending out the best 15 minutes in, in, in sports most every day. Plus, we got a lot of great stuff planned for the new year. And Let's get started. NFL football, a lot to talk about on the field. Awful topic, what happened off the field in Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, this should be a celebration of a championship in Kansas City, and it became a tragedy. Tragedy is the correct word. One done, one dead. A female disc jockey at a Kansas City radio station got caught in the crossfire. She was the fatality, the aftermath of the Chiefs. Super Bowl prayed, 29 wounded, 11 kids, eight of them suffering bullet wounds. Chiefs fans tackled two of the three people who had guns that they believe were involved in the shooting. It appears it was a gang-related dispute outside the Union Station after the proceedings had ended and people were leaving. We're going to get into a fierce argument. I normally don't talk politics on this show, but maybe today we should talk politics. I don't know which political street corner that you're on, but Second Amendment right. 
right to bear arms. You have a right to bear arms, John Riley. But I happen to think the weapon situation is so bad, so out of control, so illegal that society needs somebody to step in and that step in and that's the government. Age limit as to when you could purchase, red flag screening if you have any problems whatsoever, mental health evaluations, it puts a delay in allowing you to have access to a gun. In essence, who has the right to have a gun? Um, I'm sorry. This is all on the NRA. This is all on the Republicans who support the NRA. Nothing gets done in this country because the far right has paralyzed our country completely on everything. And this situation with guns is paralyzed because the GOP don't want to offend their voters who might be part of the NRA. You have a right to bear arms. Kids have a right not to get shot in public. Mm -hmm. And this is in hospitals. This is in churches. This is in malls. This is at a celebration. John, I'm sorry. End of political speech. This is America at its absolutely worst. And I don't even know what street corner you stand on as it relates to politics. You have the floor. I have the floor. Okay, this is a heavy issue. This is a very complex issue. I I think guns are legitimately a big part of the problem, but there's a lot more to it than this. Like in this case, it wasn't a uh, an assault rifle. I think these were handguns, weren't they? No, one was an assault rifle. They found they found an assault rifle against the fence. Who goes to a pep rally with an assault rifle? I'm talking about when these big AR thing to boom, boom, boom. Yeah. And obviously that has no place in a situation like that. You know, so I, I'm, what street corner am I on? I'm on the street corner that government should protect our inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so in my opinion, guns that are used as for defense, I think you can find ways to justify that within the scope of the Second Amendment. But when you have guns that are offensive weapons that can jeopardize someone's right to their own life, then that's, I think, where we can start drawing some lines. In, in this particular case, it's interesting because I don't think it was necessarily a mass shooting that was planned. It looked like it was some kind of a dispute, an argument that just kind of blew up. Not saying that makes it right, but this is different than other mass shooting situations. You want a gun. You want access to a firearm. Second Amendment allows you to have access Mm -hmm. to a firearm. Do I have a right to screen you to make sure you're okay to have that gun? Well, yeah, because, again, the, the, the purpose of government is not just freedom. It's also to protect our right to our own life. So if someone has a disability, a mental health condition, then, yeah, I think that you can make a case that they aren't going to be able to, you know, to have a gun. Now, this opens up a whole can of worms with people with, you know, the their Second Amendment right is sacred to them, you know. And, and but I think ultimately our nation has not fully addressed the problem. We haven't looked it squarely in the eye and tried to solve it. We just keep dancing and evading the situation because of the political realities that we're dealing with. And the political comment, prayers and thoughts. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, just pointless. Until the, the next time. Right. Jeez. So just a tragedy in Kansas City. You hate to see it here. But here we go. Once again, politics and sports, sometimes they intersect. And this is one of those unfortunate cases. It drives me crazy. Kansas City, Uvalde, Orlando, Parkland, Chicago. Connecticut, Denver, you name it. It's everywhere. And and nothing's been done to solve it. 
Right. Because they, they won't, because they know that if they address it too uh, strongly, they're going to lose an election. And these politicians, well, all they care about is power for themselves rather than trying to really make the right kind of changes you know, for our nation. Let's talk football for 30 seconds before we go to the next topic. Speaking of Kansas City, <laughs> Travis Kelsey in apology mode. Travis Kelsey met with Andy Reid after the game and apologized for the tantrum on the sidelines, saying it was inappropriate, it was unacceptable, he should have popped me in the mouth to shut me up. So he has made his public apology. Kansas City's so excited at what they've accomplished, looking forward to the next football season. Kelsey is looking forward to the next football season. Andy Reid says, case closed, we exchanged our opinions, on we go. It was obviously a flashpoint of emotion, but Kelsey was wrong. Yeah, well, good on him for manning up and admitting it. But, you know, it's not a big foul. Andy Reid's good with it. It was the heat of the moment. Let's just turn the page and move forward. We move forward. We move forward to the Chargers. Chargers are still active. Looks like they are filling up that coaching staff. They have filled it. Uh, they have hired 11. Harbaugh has brought six coaches plus his strength staff plus some football administrative people with him from the University of Michigan. First things first, this is going to be a very different offense. Uh, Greg Roman, offensive coordinator, had success with Harbaugh. San Francisco developed Colin Kaepernick. Had success early days in Baltimore with John Harbaugh developing Lamar Jackson. Greg Roman becomes the offensive coordinator. He's an RPO guy. I don't know what that means to the mix of Justin Herbert being pocket passer. You're not going to have Justin Herbert coming down the line of scrimmage running options, are you? Nonetheless, Greg Roman is the OC. Marcus Brady, who's kind of a cool X and O's passing down the field guy, comes from Indianapolis. who will be the passing game coordinator. Andy Bischoff, longtime college coach, also coached for the New York Giants. He's going to be the run game coordinator. The unique hire, the different hire, the strange hire, Mark Tressman, ex-Chicago Bears coach, been with the Raiders, been with the Ravens, successful in the Canadian Football League. He's coming in as Harbaugh's consultant. Interesting. Like somebody's going to talk to Harbaugh in his ear about how to act and what to do as a head guy. That uh, that was a strange hire. From the University of Michigan, some pretty good people. Rick Minter, defensive coordinator, comes in. Mike Elston, defensive line coach, comes in. Steve Klingscales, secondary coach, comes in. And the offensive line coach from Michigan, plus the strength staff. So this will definitely have a Big Ten U of M imprint on what they're going to do, probably starting the 1st of March as they get working towards OTAs, is obviously the draft, and then the mini camps going forward. Very, very different coaching staff that Harbaugh's brought in. This is great. Great news. I mean, they're establishing what their identity is going to be. You know, they they did it at Michigan. Now they're going to do it with the Chargers. And it's interesting, this RPO thing. When, when you were first explaining that to me, I didn't realize what the extent of that was. At first, I thought it was more like a wishbone where he's going to be, Herbert was going to be running out on the flat and be potentially injured. But an RPO, you actually, I've seen a lot of teams at college, high school, and in the pros run it. That could actually be a good improvement for the Chargers. But it's more about the quarterback's ability to scare you that he's going to run the football and then will run the football. I don't think we want Justin Herbert running the football. I mean, he is not Lamar Jackson. As good as he is, you don't want him taking hits in the open field. 
Well, it depends. Like when they say run pass option, I think of the the receiver that's kind of running parallel to the offensive line, and sometimes they hand it off like right there when he goes right past the center. Yeah, jet sweeps. Yeah, the jet sweeps. So to me, the run pass option, when I hear that, well, maybe it's the run option for the running back as opposed to a pass for the— It's all that. It's, it's all it, of it, fake, exactly. Fake to the jet sweep, fake to the running back, roll right, can run, roll right, look to throw— I just don't want Justin Herbert running very much. Well, didn't he do that already at Oregon? Wasn't he, he that kind of a guy? But that's different than the National Football League. Yeah, well, sure. Uh, the shots are much more violent <laughs> in the NFL. Okay, so we go from the Chargers. Let's talk uh, coaching hires other places. Yeah, another couple of big teams here. Niners, Cowboys, Commanders. Well, this is the big story. San Francisco, 48 hours after the Super Bowl, fired Steve Wilkes. The defensive coordinator had been there one year. And uh, Kyle uh, Shanahan said it didn't fit. What he wanted to run did not match the personnel that we had put on this roster and given to him. And I guess he was inflexible at molding the defense to better fit the talent that they had. So he gets tossed. The bad thing for him is he gets tossed after all the head coaching jobs have been filled and virtually all the coordinators' jobs have been filled. So it's kind of a late, late decision. But at the end of the day, San Francisco had three straight substandard postseason games defensively. Jordan Love threw for a ton in the Green Bay game. Mm -hmm. Detroit ran for 182 against that defense. And Goff threw for almost 299. And in Kansas City, rang up 455 yards against Steve Wilkes' defense. So they, they hit the wall, and Shanahan said, I need a different leader. So he's gone. Look who's back in Dallas. Defensive coordinator. Of course, they lost uh, their their defensive coordinator, wound up going to the Washington Commanders. Mike Zimmer has come in as defensive coordinator. He coached in Dallas way back in the day as a defensive coordinator. Went to the Minnesota Vikings for maybe nine years. Had a fair degree of success. A little bit old school. But Dallas interviewed a whole bunch of people, and they decided— it came down to Mike Zimmer and Ron Rivera. And Zimmer's been out of the NFL two years now since he got bounced to Minnesota. And they decided instead of taking Rivera, proven commodity, that reached far back in the past to get Mike Zimmer. And in Washington, rebuilding their whole football staff with a new head coach, Washington hires ex-Charger head coach Anthony Lynn. Lynn was a running back coach for Shanahan in San Francisco this past year. Did pretty well. He's going in as the running back coach, the Washington Commanders. They also hired Ken Norton Jr., former defensive coordinator, linebacker coach, UCLA, USC, Seattle Seahawks. Mm -hmm. Pretty good track record. So he's coming in as part of this whole new staff that they've put together for Dan Quinn with the Washington Commanders. So uh, one final note as it relates to coaches. Who doesn't have a job as of this afternoon? Brandon Staley, mm. Eric Bieniemy, Pete Carroll, Ron Rivera. That's kind of that's kind of interesting. Bill In Belichick. addition to Belichick yeah. and Vrabel, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a there's a lot of success out there on that other street corner. Unemployed coaches at this point in time. Your turn. Well, I want to ask you, do you think Steve Wilkes is the scapegoat? Is that why they fired him? Niners have to blame somebody, right? Shanahan deserves a whole lot of heat. Maybe not only just because he hired the wrong guy defensive coordinator, though they did get to the Super Bowl, 
but Shanahan's inability to do what he needs to do in coaching during the Super Bowl. You know, they lost that game, I think, when they went away from the running game. Oh, yeah. First and second quarter with Christian McCaffrey pounding it, then they threw some, they had the lead. Kansas City's defense could not get off the field. They have a second running back in Frisco, Elijah Mitchell, who's big and physical, and he's the backup to McCaffrey. Why would you go away from pounding the football in the middle of the second quarter and not revisit it till the fourth quarter when you're in the hole? It made no sense to me. If you ran McCaffrey and then you ran Mitchell and you had Brock Purdy throw some, what are you doing? You're wearing out the defense that can't get off the field. And by the way, that's Patrick Mahomes standing on the sidelines yeah, yeah. the entire first half next to Andy Reid. So Shanahan screwed this up offensively. We had something good going, and they went away from it. And then Kansas City got back in the game. And then Kansas City, Spagnuolo decided, hey, we're going to send everybody. And if they beat us, they beat us. But if we get there, we change the game. And what happened? They blitzed the hell out of Purdy. Purdy's productivity went down. There was no run game. They made it strictly a passing game. Bingo, Kansas City's back in the game. you got Mahomes, has got extra possessions. We know the end result. So Shanahan deserves a lot of heat on the offensive side. And by the way, it's obvious, square peg round hole. He hired Steve Wilkes. He made a mistake. Why'd you do that at the point you did it? Granted, they did get to the Super Bowl. So that's my spin on, on Shanahan's scapegoat a little bit. But square peg round hole didn't work. Well, could, could you imagine a different press conference where he would stand up there and say, I screwed up, you know, Kyle Shanahan, I made the mistake. And 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 to kind of protect his guys, it seems a little bit of a deflection to kind of pass off blame. Um, but I'll tell you what, in the um, in the OT, you know, the, the, the Chiefs had no trouble going downfield on the on the 49ers defense. Mm-hmm. So clearly there were some problems there. Well, the second half, Andy Reid. I told you so. Second <laughs> half, Andy Reid came out and they showed different formations. We talked about this briefly on Monday. They lined up their tight ends as tight ends and as wingbacks. They used their tight ends as motion men. They used those guys to wham block and suddenly seal things off. And then Pacheco had some gains and they ran the designed Patrick Mahomes quarterback draws out of the new formations. And San Francisco just could not defend it because they were getting wham-blocked by all these tight ends and the pulling guards. And there's a big lane for Mahomes. Mahomes had four big runs in the second half, changed the whole complexion. And they also, Kansas City said, okay, you want to double Kelsey? We'll go the other side to the other tight ends. Yeah, and that's why Watson caught a couple of passes. That's why Gray caught one. That's why the backup, the third and fourth receivers caught one because they were single coverage while they were doubling Kelsey. And then Wilkes had to get out of the, out of what they were playing man because it, it wasn't holding up. He went back to his own. And what did Mahomes do in the fourth quarter? Dump, dump, dump. Yeah. Kelsey. Kelsey caught seven passes in the second half. Yeah. So this, this is Andy Reid's bleeping brilliance. <laughs> yeah. And is. Shanahan and Wilkes getting outcoached and then getting pummeled. Well, going back to Shanahan and the offense, I don't even remember Mitchell touching the ball much at all. I mean, how many carries did he get in Not the game? Not many. He had maybe three or four in the second half. McCaffrey couldn't have 30 touches in the game. Right. He'd take too much of a pounding. But these, he's a proven backup. Yes, he is. Why wouldn't you do that? You got these guys on roller skates. You got Kansas City's defense dying on the field. And you let him back in the game. Shorten the freaking game. Keep Mahomes on the sidelines with Reed. It's a different football game. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of being 10-3, maybe it gets to be 17-3. And now, now the whole game changes. But that being said, so 
that that's the coaching situation around the National Football League. Uh, we've got one other football topic before we get to halftime here. Yeah, UCLA. This has been pretty hot news here in the last 24 hours. Yeah, it really is. A lot of people are applauding this. I'll just say, hold your horses. Time out here. <laughs> Deshaun Foster was a great college football running back, went to the NFL, got into coaching at a very young age after his four or five year stay in the NFL is over. Deshaun Foster handpicked immediately after Chip Kelly was forced out. Uh, Foster popular player hire. I think they move quickly because maybe it's a safe hire because he's one of their own. Maybe it's because he's a cheap hire. Maybe it's because they had to hire him to keep the roster intact so all these kids wouldn't jump ship and go into the portal. You know, Chip Kelly did not say goodbye to his players at UCLA. Really? Yeah. No, no meeting, aftermath. That just What a terrible way that's to do weak. this. He just left. And here's the story behind the story. Kelly was a really unpopular guy because he had no people skills. Kelly's whole life was looking at my play sheet, X's and O's, and what I can decide. That He didn't care about the alumni. He didn't care about the boosters, the big cigars. Mm-hmm. He didn't care about the NIL. He abhorred the transfer portal. You know what happened? The people that fund the UCLA collective, that's what it's called, the NIL package, mm-hmm. they're called the Men of Westwood. Hmm. Very impressive group. They went to either the president or the director of athletics, I was told, and they said, we are going to stop funding UCLA football if Chip Kelly stays as head coach. Aha. So that's the story behind the story, which is why all of a sudden Chip Kelly was interviewing with the Raiders and the Washington commanders for the offensive coordinator's job. And then bingo, he shows up going to Columbus at Ohio State to be with Ryan Day, whom he had coached way back in the day at the University of New Hampshire. He just refused to have relationships with anybody. So the men of Westwood are the ones that pushed this issue. And evidently, UCLA said, we think we have to make a change. You have a window to go find a job somewhere else. Because UCLA was on the hook for almost $9 million buyout if they actually fired him. Oh, so the men of Westwood are the ones that I was told from somebody that I trust are the ones that created this situation. So that's the latest on UCLA. And John Riley says, well, good on those guys, you know, for stepping up and and calling them out. I mean, if if you're going to be a head coach of a, you know, power five conference football program, you have to have relationships. relationships. Yeah, exactly. And, And it just it's just proof in the pudding of how he just walks out on his players and doesn't say goodbye to them because he has no relationship with the players either. So, wow, the more this comes out, the more I'm saying, yeah, good riddance, Chip Kelly. You know, Ryan Day can have him, and we'll see how he does over there. But, man, that, that's, that's brutal. Should they have hired Pete Carroll? I mean, you talk about somebody walks in the door with charisma, energy, bring everybody together, and his heritage in the L.A. market cross town at USC – I'm not saying anything negative about Deshaun Foster, except he's never walked down this road. He's never done any of the things a head coach has to do before he gets a job. He's never done any of that. Wouldn't Pete Carroll link to the men of Westwood and the energy in L.A. and his heritage, what he did with the Trojans? Would that have not been a better hire? Well, on paper, it sounds like a great hire, but you, you want to bring a Trojan over to Westwood. That's a big violation of the moral code. But does he even want to play in a coach college? Maybe he wants to go back to the NFL. 
Interesting. Didn't happen, so we'll see where this goes, but that's the story behind the story. Hey, our podcast is brought to you by Dixieline Lumber and Home Center Stores, nine locations to serve you. Regardless of what the project is, inside, outside, whether it's walls, cabinets, bookcases, bathrooms, whether it's lighting, whether it's windows or doors, I want you to think about Dixieline Lumber and Home Center Stores. And by North County Eye Center of Poway and Escondido. These are the special We all need help with our eyes somewhere down road, whether it's just vision tests, whether it's contact lenses, whether it's something really significant. You need these people at North County Eye Center, Poway and Escondido. I do business with them. I needed help. You might want to consider them, too. North County Eye Center, Poway and Escondido. John, before we get to halftime, just a quick reminder. Uh, we got a few topics on the table here on Fans Forum. Yes, we do. Tell people how they can argue with us and express their opinions on Fans Forum. Okay, so, yeah, in Fans Forum, we already got people loading up here. I mean, who we got in here? Fig and Matt and and uh, Callan and Raul and Kent. Um, so we're going to get Dale is in there. He got some comments on the whole gun situation with Kansas City. So we'll break all that down in Fans Forum. If you have a question or comment about Kelsey getting in Andy Reid's face or, or anything going on in the world sports, just put your comment or question in the live chat, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, and we'll get you involved in Fans Forum. And, of course, if you like sports, I invite you to check my website. I write on it every day. You check it first thing every morning, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. You'll be amazed at the volume of information that's available. And when you check it out, you go to the homepage, there's a big orange box right on the front of the homepage. want you to register to become part of Hacksaw's Insiders Group. You'll get direct emails for all the unique and creative things that we are doing. Want you to share, tell your friends what we're doing, want you to subscribe so you will get the alerts every time we put something new up on our YouTube channel, which is almost every day we're adding something different. Give us a thumbs up. Give us a five-star rating. We have no pride. We'll take it because we think we're bleeping brilliant. As we get to halftime of our podcast, let's salute the people that make this possible. Dixie Line Lumber and Home Centers and Poway Escondido's North County Eye Center. And as we say, fix it, build it, you will enjoy it for 2024, thanks to Dixie Line. And our thanks, too, to North County Eye Center, Poway and Escondido. From all things football, let's go to baseball here. A lot of topics on the table. Cactus League, Grapefruit Circuit, open for business. Dodgers, Padres already in spring training camps. The rest of the teams reporting this week into the weekend. Let's start with Padre Baseball. John, item one. This is not good. USA Today ran a big column in which they nailed the Padres. Say the Padres are now old news in Major League Baseball that the excitement has vanished, that the fans are gone. Last year, when the Padres opened spring training camp, it was a mob scene every day in Peoria. This week, there were 12 people at the front gate when they opened for spring training camp. The novelty has gone away because of what happened last season, what has happened in the offseason. A.J. Preller, the general manager, said we left a lot of disappointed people in that locker room at the end of the season. That team was capable of winning a World Series. We left a lot on the table. He says this spring training camp was all about opportunities. We got a ton of pitchers here we think can make this roster better. Every one of these young guys, infielders, outfielders, will be given a chance to make the opening day roster. Meanwhile, Manny Machado said 
He was asked his reaction to the Juan Soto Yankee trade. Soto is irreplaceable. So you got one veteran guy that doesn't like what happened. You Darvish says he was never asked, but he would have tried to meet with Yash Yamamoto if the Padres were going to bid on him. The Padres obviously were never in on him. Jeff Cronenworth of the opinion the team tried to live up of the media and the fans' expectations, and we failed miserably. By the way, the Padre TV deal has been announced. We don't know yet what channels it's going to be on. It's $19.99 a month. It's $99.95 for the entire season. I think more details of where it's going to be located will be forthcoming. But that's where we are as it relates to the Padres, the opening of spring training camp, and USA Today just kind of crushing them before the first pitch of spring training has been thrown. Well, isn't it funny how they the media loves to build them up and then tear them down? And that's what's happened with the Padres right now. I think this coming year, there's still going to be a lot of excitement around this team. I mean, you've still got a lot of great star players. The team can, I think, is going to have a better record than they did last year. I mean, how, how could you not win more than two games over 500 with this with this record? They roster? didn't last year, John. Well, because they were pathetic last year, and Juan Soto wasn't you know productive until the very end of the year. So, I, I mean, I, I think. The, yeah, the, the light has dimmed on the Padres. They're kind of settling back into kind of where they should be because you know, when they were the third highest payroll, that was unrealistic long term. But I wouldn't say that the excitement is gone. I mean, it's way too soon to say that. They're going to have to prove something, though. You know, their payroll was third last year. As of this hour, it's 14th. Yeah. In the National League. But they're going to still spend another $20 million or so, so it'll get up well, into the top 10. we don't 10. know that for certain. That being said, I, I do agree with you. The veteran lineup, the stars in that lineup, they'll probably hit back better than they did last year. Oh, yeah. But they got holes in that pitching staff. Or maybe I should say they got question marks in a lot of places on that pitching staff, starting with pitching slot number three, four, and five, and then the depth guys beyond them. Meanwhile, cross town, Andrew Friedman, Dodgers president of operations. Otani is 100% ready to start as DH opening day when they play the Padres in Korea. He talked openly about Yamamoto and the contract they gave. They said, this guy is intriguing. This guy brings amazing expectations. But Andrew Friedman said, Yamamoto will go through a learning curve. Him learning about MLB, the National League learning about him says that he has to acclimate himself to what will be a very different baseball culture. He is going to handle pitching differently than Otani did with the Angels. He's going to pitch in the rotation on a regular basis, whereas usually Japanese pitchers come here, they pitch once every week. Hmm. He is going to be in the five-man rotation, which means it might be more than once in a seven-day span. Right. So that's going to be fascinating to watch. Friedman says his arm talent is very unique. We are setting him up in the best environment possible. And he believes Yamamoto's arrival, corresponding with Otani now coming in, and the heritage of Dodger baseball with players on the Pacific Rim, will make his transition to Major League Baseball much, much easier than a Japanese or Korean pitcher going to somewhere else in Major League Baseball has ever had a player of that like or have players of their culture on that roster. So it's going to be fascinating to see 
the evolvement of Yamamoto. Thoughts on the Dodgers? Isn't it weird how the vibes in both those clubhouses is so different? Yeah. I mean, the Padres talking about disappointment, taking a step back, big question marks. And now here, Otani is praising Yamamoto. The organization is doing all the right things. I'm very curious to see how this Yamamoto performs in Major League Baseball. Because there's that other pitcher in Japan who hasn't come over yet. I think Sasaki. it's Sasaki. And that, that kid is really talented, too. He's got electric stuff. He's younger than Yamamoto. He's not pitched as much as Yamamoto has in Japan. If you YouTube Yash Yamamoto, look at some of the videos. Look at his stuff. It's just wicked. I mean, you're talking about ball movement mm-hmm. and bite. Holy cow. Granted, it's major league hitters, but they still got to hit the thing that's jumping on them. And right. uh, this is going to be fascinating to see. And by the way, we will have coffee and donuts at 3 a.m. here in your <laughs> is casa. Is it going to be 3 a.m., really? 3 a.m. San Diego time, the first wow. two games in South Korea. Why? Because not only is Otani going to be in a lineup and Darvish is going to start, Yamamoto is going to start in one of those two games. Outstanding. This cool. is going to be great. You know, this is be us like watching soccer on the other end of the globe. <laughs> so uh, looking forward to that. That's going to be in a few weeks. Yeah. One side note. Uh, we have banged on the Angels. Rightfully so. We have really demonized Artie Moreno. I think rightfully so. I asked the question, do you really want to own this ball club the way you've conducted your business in the offseason? That was a question, rightfully so. Artie Moreno said this morning, I'm going to own this franchise going forward. It is not for sale. He did admit that they're going to be $50 million below what they spent last year. Uh, their payroll is way down. Last year, they were right at the 235 threshold. They're down, and they're going to stay down. Uh, They've signed 11 journeyman free agent players to one-year contracts, a.k.a. fill-ins. So I don't know what the pulse of the fans in Orange County are right now. I don't think it's real good. The man says he's going to keep the franchise. He's going to operate it the way he wants to operate it. So that's the end result. He's answered my question. Do you want to own this? He said yes. Well, how many big name contracts are on that? I mean, there's obviously Trout and Rendon, but is anyone out there like on a fifteen, twenty million dollar per year or more? No, because the rest of them are really young guys. Yeah, I mean, and they force fed some draft picks. Their young shortstop Nato did a very good job. Logan Ohape, who they got in a trade, is a young catcher. He's the catcher going forward. He's on his first major league contract, so their payroll is significantly lighter. And they, you know, their young pitchers are all three and four year guys. None of them are arbitration eligible yet. So I just don't think it's going to be a good product on the field. And he may want to continue to own it. He can't walk around Anaheim Stadium publicly because he'll get booed. <laughs> he can't. He can't think that everybody approves it. The methodology of operation. I mean, you had all the money from Otani. You didn't use it. You signed all these. 11-year, 11-veteran, one-year plug-in guys, the Luis Garcias of the world. I don't understand it. So you think they're out on Snell? At this point, yeah, because Snell's not signed anywhere. Who's who's in on Snell? Well, you know, supposedly the Giants were, but the Giants have spent a lot of their money. Does the price tag come down on Snell? That becomes the bigger issue. You know, this demand for seven years, 30 mil per season. You haven't seen anybody sign them yet. And same thing with Jordan Montgomery is asking 30 mil, maybe on a shorter contract. I don't see the Angels wanting to spend 30 million on a pitcher, not not Snell, not Montgomery. Well, well, especially if they've announced they're not going to be, you know, increasing the payroll. But it's incredible. We're, we have camps are opening up and we still have these big names. They're still not signed. Yeah, there's probably, I'd say, at least five 
significant veteran guys, and then there's this whole flurry of veteran DH, the J.D. Martinez's of the world that are still out there, too. Some of these guys will finally come to camp, won't be at the price that they want, but I'm intrigued to see where Snell winds up. So if you're a baseball fan, your reaction, USA Today crushing the Padres, your reaction to who the Dodgers are, any Angel fans out there joining us on live stream, join us in Fans Forum with that. So we go from baseball, let's talk this is a weird story. Basketball. I love this story about the the Lakers were maybe going to trade LeBron. At the trade deadline this past week, Golden State called the Lakers and opened trade talks about LeBron James. You know, LeBron is, is just, he's been a warrior. Uh, it's he and Anthony Davis against the world with a very inconsistent roster around him. He's got an option on his contract that's worth $51 million next season. And the big question, are you going to opt in? to play the final year and then maybe negotiate another deal? Or are you going to opt out and go out on the open market? Golden State called the Lakers, I believe it was last weekend, and had extended conversations about trading for LeBron James. His agent, Rich Paul, is the one that was in the middle of the conversation. Why? Because Rich Paul represents a number of Golden State players in addition to LeBron James. Jeannie Buss, the owner, and Joe LaCobb, the Warriors owner had a private conference call. Then the general managers, Rob Polinka and Mike Dunleavy Jr., had a conference call. I was told the price was two number one picks, the big young guard Jonathan Kuminga, and you had to take on Andrew Wiggins' salary for LeBron James for a half-year rental in Golden State. So, you know, how close are the Lakers to being an upper echelon team? I, I can't figure that out. You know, we saw, we saw the Lakers last night go absolutely crazy and win a, a, a game that nobody thought they could be in. And they got not only Anthony Davis playing like a man possessed at 37 points, Rui Hachimura had 36. Wow. And Austin Reeves had 20. Where'd that come from? Because prior to that, these guys were all over the place, good and bad, more bad than good, etc. So the question I have, are the Lakers really upper echelon or is this all smoke and mirrors? Was that an isolated win last night against Utah? Who the hell's Utah? Uh, or should they have considered two number ones, Kuminga, and take on the Wiggins salary? So you're a Laker fan. I know you got a bleeping opinion about this. Go ahead, John. Well, that seemed to me a no-brainer for the Lakers. I mean, you're going to get two number ones where they're starved for number ones. You still get Wiggins, who's a decent player. And you're only giving up a half a year of LeBron. And it's not working, you know, so why not trade him? But you go back to what you said earlier. Did Golden State initiate this talk? That's what I was told. Really? Now, see, I would think the Lakers would want to make that deal, but Golden State would not want to make the deal because they don't want LeBron just for a half a year. And I mean, well, that's ownership, though. Joe LaCobb pays his players well, you know, and what you do is you take Clay Thompson's salary, which will come off the books at 47 mil. That goes to LeBron. Now, granted, you're giving up number ones and giving up Kuminga, who looks like he's got just tremendous upside as a young two position guy. But it's LeBron, and you got LeBron and Steph Curry. How good is that? Hmm. I mean, could you imagine on this court at the same time, LeBron, Curry, Clay, Draymond, and Chris Paul? Do you think they could all live together? Well, there's only one basketball on the floor, but anything's possible, I guess. Mm -hmm. They're all all pretty old. They they are. What is the future then? Because you've traded your future away. 
Yeah, it, it, to me, it's it, the best part about this whole thing is the Lakers are at least entertaining the idea of trading LeBron because all the other trades through all the previous years didn't work. So the Lakers, Lakers post a victory last night over Utah. Utah played like garbage in the third and fourth quarter. Anthony Davis had 17 points in the third quarter alone, finished with 37. Rui had 36. LeBron didn't play because of the gimpy ankle. Jazz at home just played like garbage. No commitment to defense, no pride at all. Uh, Lakers hit 14-3, scored 138 points without LeBron against Utah. Okay, from that tone of basketball, let's talk about this basketball team in this town. Wow, I mean, that was an incredible game. (laughs) San Diego State, Colorado State, a tale of two halves. They climbed back into the Mountain West race. What was the word I used this past Monday about San Diego State after the bad outing at Nevada? And what's the word I used a couple other times when they got killed on the road? The word of the day was, it's not Sesame Street, the word of the day (laughs) was payback. Mm. And tell you what, they paid Colorado State back. And they're going to play New Mexico on Friday, and they get a chance to pay the Lobos back, too. What a statement game. They trailed 17-3 out of the gate. What an unbelievable second half. Jadon Ledee was just a monster. And they did things we'd not seen much. They they ran him through the paint and got him the ball. They gave him the ball at the high post. They gave him the ball down on the block. They played an inside-outside, back-inside game. And he just exploded. And then they exploded. They're bigs collectively, John. I've never seen them play with this type of aggressiveness. It's like it's like the flu. You know, people sitting <laughs> along the bench, they all get a case of the flu because one guy hands it to another. This was like an outbreak of the flu. Every one of those guys, those bigs, came off the bench and just really played tough. Bird and Saunders, Jay Powell, collectively. They've never done this ever this season. Now, granted, you're not playing, say, Catharines of Orange County, but they just beat the holy hell out of Colorado State. And then they got Colorado State's big guys in foul trouble, and then they got blown out of the game. I mean, it was 20 minutes of hell on the second half. They outscored Colorado State 47-11 to in the second half, and they finished the thing with an 18-1 run. And those bigs, I mean, they were fast, and they were furious, and they had fouls, and they were going to give you fouls and make sure you felt that foul. Yeah. They should play that way against New Mexico. Maybe this is the light switch that now gets turned on. Because when they start beating the hell out of people with everybody coming off the bench, and suddenly Ladie's game went up a notch, too, because he had more space to operate. So, I mean, it to me, it was fascinating. Here comes the Lobos, their unbelievable guard, the mouthy Jalen House. He is a great <laughs> Players and the bigs topping, uh, but I will tell you this: this is not the pit, baby. You're going to be in VA house. Well, there's a few people from the insane asylum that are there, <laughs> sitting in the end zone seats. And Brian Dutcher uh, on his Wednesday press briefing uh, I went to said, "Man, there are five to six teams in the Mountain West. We've never seen this caliber, this depth, this amount of talent. Uh, this might be the deepest conference in the country." Uh, and I, I tried to think to myself, why why has this happened? Well, San Diego State's always historically had a lot of really good players. Why all of a sudden all these other schools transfer portal? Oh, yeah. There are players all over the country to go get. You know, guys that are developing who are bigs, guys that are three-point shooters and fast-as-hell point guards, and a whole bunch of them wind up in the Mountain West. This might be a one-year aberration, but this has been a spectacular conference basketball season. So... 
Payback, Payback Friday, Aztecs, Lobos. Just call New Mexico, give them Colorado State's phone number, ask them what did you experience up there, because they're going to experience it here Friday. So your thoughts? Oh, it was a great game. And in fact, last night I rewatched the second half of it, and it's on <laughs> YouTube. And uh, what a freaking beatdown. And it just goes to show you that that team has the potential in there to dominate and really make another run in the NCAA tournament in March. Can they bottle that? Can they bottle the bigs and how intensely they played? And reproduce it Friday night. Reproduce it every game going forward. Because there's like a light bulb went on. We'd never seen it. And suddenly these kids were playing at a much higher level of intensity than we'd ever, ever seen before. Yeah. And Dutcher didn't want to hear me say you got fouls to give. Freaking use the fouls. Just bully these people around. They pick up fouls, you pick up fouls. You wear them down, you wipe them out. Yeah, they, they were awesome. The offensive rebounds. Even Miles Heidi had some moments. <laughs> big guy getting in there, getting some rebounds. It's kind of like when they were making their run last year in the tournament. And Charles Barkley said, these are grown-ass men, you know, like Ladie is. And, and you look at Heidi and Saunders, and those guys have really put on a lot of muscle weight. And their, their potential is still up there yet. Oh, big time. And they're going to be back. Yeah, so this is – it's amazing how this whole thing's shortened out. And you're talking about the transfer portal. I mean, look at Utah State. They're in first place. That whole roster is, was blown up. It's Just about everybody there is brand new except maybe one or two guys. I think the other fascinating thing about the portal is some of these schools have gone to Division Two and found a gem in Division Two that can play at the Mountain West level. Yeah. Just make a whole – difference to the program well that's the coach at utah he right. came from what montana montana, yeah, montana state. state and he brought a couple and then he got kids from sioux falls south dakota and these other small college programs who are players yeah they're really good yeah i mean they're hella good so you know i like for, for players this is a great opportunity if you were kind of stuck on the end of the bench or you weren't getting a fair shake you could transfer to a, to a mountain west school and shine and i think it's terrific i think it's good for the sport it's good for the league but man how many teams seven teams all within a game, game and a half of each other. This is an amazing run. You're an Aztec fan. You're an Aztec fan. That fans form chat box is open. Do you think these guys can do this again? Did you see something different in all these bigs around Jaden Ladee? What does this bode for the future? Aztec fan, join us in Fans Forum coming up right at the end. We go from hoops. We're going to talk hockey. Yeah, I don't like this uh, suicide comments headline. What's going on here? Uh, This is really bad. It's been a brutal week in the NHL. Toronto Maple Leafs played Ottawa uh, on the weekend. And Ottawa beat them in Toronto. And in the final seconds, puck came out to center ice. Ottawa player picked it up, going in, open net. Normally, you just chip it, goes into the open net, game is over. Mm -hmm. Leafs had pulled the goalie trying to catch up. Instead, this Ottawa player took two strides, and he cranked up a slap shot. I mean, a bullet into the open net. That kind of violates the code. Isn't that kind of like piling on? Anyhow, he scores the goal. He turns to come back towards the bench. Toronto's defenseman, Morgan Riley, who's big physical stay-at-home guy, not a goon, Mm -hmm. comes flying across the ice, and he cross-checks Greg, the Ottawa player, into the boards, hit him right in the neck. So now he gets suspended for five games without pay, and he's appealing it right now. The, The outpouring of emotion from the Leafs after the game just kind of blew my mind. Uh, Amongst the quotes, uh, it was appropriate that Morgan Riley come across the ice and hit this guy. 
This guy violated the code. He was showboating. Morgan Riley is a stand-up guy. He stood up for our team. I couldn't believe it. I mean, this was open ice. Nobody around him. Riley must have taken five strides to go from center ice to the boards and crank this guy in the neck. Guy didn't even know what was happening. And his neck snapped and all that. I wonder what Leafs players would say if their superstar Austin Matthews had scored an empty netter and was going back to the bench to celebrate a victory, and he got clocked. What would the Leafs then be saying? Would they say it was appropriate? Would they salute the other guy on the other team for being a stand-up guy and taking out the Leafs captain? What I want to see happen was the RCMP Royal Canadian Mountain Police show up with an arrest warrant in the Leaf locker room and charge Morgan Riley with assault with a deadly weapon. He used his stick to hit the guy in the throat. I'm sorry, I'm a big hockey fan, but I just kind of lost it on that. And then there was a second incident. They've had a lot of controversy in Columbus with the Blue Jackets. Their star goal scorer, Patrick Laine, has left the team. He's had a bunch of injury team injury issues. He's gone into the NHL substance program. I don't know whether it's alcohol or whether he's battling depression. He's just not the same player. He scored 40 goals one time with the Winnipeg Jets, and I think he was a superstar. He's just had a lot of trouble uh, in Columbus. Anyhow, people on podcast and social media theorize that Patrick Laney should commit suicide because he's played so poorly. And he's got he's obviously got some mental health issues. And they talked about Laney and suicide without any basis to have that conversation. I was appalled. The NHL union is appalled. The Columbus Blue Jackets are furious. And Laney has absolutely denied emphatically that that was ever part of the conversation. That's why he stepped away to go get mental health issues. I think he's battling depression. Maybe it's alcohol. But at the end of the day, God, what a sick thing for somebody to say that you should commit suicide. Just, I don't understand it whatsoever. So, yeah, kind of a crappy week covering hockey for sure. Yeah, there's always some chag off on social media that says stupid stuff like that just to get attention. Yeah, I think (laughs) it's more a reflection on how they feel about themselves. Um, But, you know, just just going back to, you know, the the whole situation with that guy getting blindsided, just ridiculous. I mean, this is an open net. This is a game. It's entertainment. And if this guy wants to hit a slap shot and just, you know, fire a bullet in there, what's what's the problem with that? How is that disrespectful to the other team? I don't get it. He violated the code. Yeah, it's all these BS hmm. unwritten rules. Yeah, like, was it written in the co- in the rule book about that? Yeah, like, you know, when Ben Davis dropped down that bun on the perfect game for Kurt Schilling, yeah. I thought that was clever and creative. And boy, that ruffled a bunch of feathers, a bunch of these old school, uh, you know, ball players. All right, you're a hockey fan. Hey, Hockey Hotline is open. Join us on Fans Forum. Last topic on the table, PGA Golf. PGA, yeah. You know, Scottsdale, my kid was at the Waste Management Open, and he was telling me they cut off alcohol sales. It got pretty ugly. PGA's got a real problem on its hands. The PGA was meeting today with, quote, the Phoenix Thunderbirds. They're the sponsoring group for the Phoenix Open, which is a great tournament, elite tournament over in Scottsdale. But it's become kind of like, what's the word I'm looking for? The Rock Festival, Woodstock. It has become an event to go party and get drunk. And it's really stained golf. And the players have had the players have had problems with it for the last five years. They don't like the deportment of the fans. 
you know, the gentleman's game, the respect, the quiet as they putt. And instead, you got people playing rock music on their cell phones as a guy's trying to drop a 24-foot putt. And a lot of incidents with drunks running across the fairway. Guys getting involved in fights in the tents where they're partying and having the food and the beer. So they got a real problem. And a couple of players walked towards the fans who were harassing him. Zach Johnson was one of them. And Billy Hoschel was another. And he's a homegrown product. He's from Phoenix. Played at Arizona State. And they got into it with the fans. Just the deportment of the fans is just totally out of control. And this has been going for at least five years where it's gotten really bad. So the PGA is going to come in. And the Thunderbirds said, we have 365 days and we will fix this by the time this tournament rolls around next year. So that's that's a big issue. So your kid shouldn't have shown up drunk. <laughs> he, uh, well, you know, the, the, I want to just say this about... Golf and tennis are both this way, where there are a bunch of prima donnas that want it to be really quiet when they are about to hit the ball. You ever seen that Lasorda comment where he talked about how, you know, hitting a baseball is the hardest thing to do in sports. You got 60,000 people yelling (laughs) at you. The ball's coming at your head at 100 miles an hour. And these golf players get upset when there's a little cricket in the audience when they're trying to hit a ball off a tee. So... Granted, the waste management, you know, yeah, they're getting, it's like Animal House. They're getting drunk and it's going crazy. They need to dial it back. But I still love the idea that there's at least one tournament where the fans can be more rowdy, you know, and they can still be rowdy and respectful, you know, so hopefully they can find that, you know, common ground. They're rowdy, but pal, they're not respectful at all. No. (laughs) By the way, Tiger Woods is back on the tour. First round, LA Genesis Open uh, in Los Angeles at this hour. Tiger started, had three birds, three bogues right at the start. His game was kind of all over the golf course at Riviera. Tiger sounded off. He says, we should be thankful the LIV Saudi PIF fund wants to invest in the Pro Tour. He says, we have to find a way to get the name players who left to come back. But Tiger stopped short, would not answer any questions as to whether he wants the golfers to be penalized or have to buy their way back in because this is still a big riff. Rory McIlroy last week, we talked about it, said, I want these guys back on the tour. It's good for the tour. But then Scotty Scheffler and a whole bunch said, you can't let these guys back in as if, quote, nothing ever happened. So Tiger, Tiger says... We want the PIF to be our partner, and we want the LIV guys to come back and play. But he refused to answer any questions. Maybe he's running for the Senate or the House of Representatives. <laughs> refused to any, answer any questions about how do we let these guys back in? Are you going to let them in scot-free, or are you going to ask them to pay a fee because they violated their tour card when they jumped and went to Saudi Arabia? And John Riley says... If they're going to merge, then you merge the player groups, and there's no penalties, and you just move on. But I want to go back to this. This Genesis tournament, this yes. is the one where Woods got in that car wreck in Rancho Palos Verdes. Afterwards, yes. Yeah, and crushed his leg. I mean, how, how, was that like two years or three years ago? Two years ago. He's had multiple surgeries on his ankle. This is his first, quote, real tournament back. Wow. I mean, I remember when that went down, we were just thinking he must have been in a weird state because it was early in the morning and people were wondering if there were drugs or alcohol. Speeding and, and no questions were ever, ever answered. Yeah. It was very confusing. And it's in that kind of windy road through Branch of Palos Verdes. I've been on that once before and it's a tricky road. So, and he was in a Genesis car, if I recall, yes. from the tournament. And he flipped it over. I mean, he could have gotten killed. But we 
don't want to answer any questions about that. No. Let's cover that sucker up. Exactly. So let's just hope this tournament is a good one. It's always good to be at Riviera. Um, I love seeing Woods back on the tour. That's good for the sport. Okay. Our podcast is brought to you by Dixon Line Lumber and Home Centers. Nine stores to serve you. You got projects. These are the people you should talk to. And by the good people at North County Eye Center, Poway and Escondido. You need help with your eyes. You need advice. You want to have eye tests, cataracts, contact lenses, meet with them, North County Eye Center, Poway and Escondido. Ready, set, go. Here comes Fans Forum. Okay, let's go to (laughs) Kent, talk a little Chargers. He says, hey, will the Chargers pick up Barkley from the Giants? What's the status? And if they're trying to cut payroll, how can this happen? Can't happen. I don't think the Giants are going to let him leave. Uh, they'd like Saquon Barkley. He is an unrestricted free agent. He was involved in a contract dispute a year ago. Shall be interesting to see what kind of contract numbers they come up with. Uh, they they could franchise tag him again. As the you know the flip side of that, the Chargers are fifty five million over the salary cap. Uh, they're going to have to cut some name players before they can do business anywhere else. You can't keep renegotiating contracts because you drive the cap number a year down the road or two years down the road. And as John can attest, the wife's credit card bills always come due. <laughs> yes, they do. And, and the Chargers have a massive problem at $55 million. I don't think they're going to be big-time players in the free agent market for big-time names. I think Barkley winds up staying there with the Giants. Yeah, well, it's an interesting idea. I mean, is, is Eckler... Officially off the roster, is he a free agent or has he got another? He will be a free agent March 11th. Okay. And I was told they can't franchise tag him as part of the agreement to get him to come to camp when they bumped his salary up a little bit and he didn't have a good season. So they need a power back. They want a power back. They don't think Eckler is the power back. Well, do they keep Eckler on the roster or they just let him go? Well, I, he'll be a free agent. So maybe he goes somewhere else. But there's no doubt. He's unbelievably productive. But... If he's not going to be the power back and you want to run power football, you can't pay him 7 or $8 million to be running back 1A. Right. That's a big issue. How about Derrick Henry? Derrick Henry's got a lot of miles on him. But, you know, he's in Tennessee, and they like the coach they hired, and that coach they hired, Brian Callahan, they do want to run the football. But that's a salary cap issue, too, because I think he made $8.6 8. last season. Didn't do well till the end of the year. But everything's changed there now. New coaching staff, and it's probably going to be a new system. they got a lot of young players. They kind of force-fed last year. So I, Henry will be on the open market, whether he stays on the open market remains to be seen, or whether he stays loyal to stay in Nashville, because he kind of likes the organization. All right, let's move on. We, um, I'll t- tell you this, Lee. You opened up a can of worms. And you oh, started you. talking about guns in oh, Kansas City. So here we go. This is from Dale. He says, government has let too many things go. The left has let millions of people in this country and many criminals. You are wrong here and you don't have enough followers to go political. We have an incoherent president and you are obviously out of touch. And you, it sounds like, are from the right side, which means the guy you're going to vote for will probably be in prison by the time we get to the finish line. <laughs> after the election. America, America's got problems everywhere. I wish, in all honesty, and I'm not a big-time political guy and I don't talk politics with my family or friends very often, I wish we had two different people running on the Republican and Democratic side than the two that we have now. But this country's got an enormous problem on a lot of different levels. And sadly, some of it comes from the GOP refusing to fix what's wrong with America. 
and always blaming the Democrats for what's wrong in America. Jeez, if I was doing a political sh- talk show, you think we'd blow up your computer? <laughs> I Holy think so. cow. Anyhow, <laughs> don't tell me about guns. You want a right to have guns? Fine. We ought to have rules for who has the right to have guns. And by the way, those kids who got wounded in Kansas City, like all the kids who got killed other places, they had a right to life. And the people that are pro-gun, regardless of who owns it, you're to blame for what's happened. I wish we were talking about shotgun offenses, you know, with, you know, for the quarterback getting the ball. Um, it's it's difficult when when we cross over into the political world. But I think it's worth talking about because it is connected to sports and everyone's got an opinion. Now, in my opinion, wh- whether you're on the left or the right, and I agree with you, both Biden and Trump are disasters. But whomever is president needs to have a serious conversation about this and address it head on because they're not taking responsibility because they're too afraid of losing an election. Dale, thanks for joining us. We'll be talking sports collectively next week. Hope you'll be continue to be part of our podcast, even though we agree to disagree with each other on this topic on the table. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Let's go to Stormy. He says, hmm, that, what does Hacksaw think of Kelsey screaming at his head coach? Well, we talked about it. I thought it was wrong. I said that he no- needed to make a public apology to Andy Reid for the tantrum on the sidelines. And he talked to Reid, and then he talked about it yesterday. Uh, at, at the pep rally in Kansas City. And in, in essence, he said it was inappropriate. And I apologize. He said, Andy Reid should have punched me in the mouth. Probably won't ever, ever happen again. It was a flashpoint. Stuff happens in the heat of the game. But this was over the top. Yeah, it, it was, I think Kelsey was obviously wrong, but he, he fessed up yep. afterwards, which is good. And Andy, Green, Andy Reid didn't make a big deal out of it either. And so I think they did the right way. They handled it the right way. And by the way, they won the game. If they had lost the game, they might be handling this a little different. And Andy didn't hear him. Andy had the headsets on and Andy's looking at his play sheet and the rest of the world doesn't exist when that's going on. So right. they solved it. it won't, I guarantee it probably won't happen again. Yeah, I thought he was going to burst a vein when he was talking to Andy there. Hey, let's go to Javi. He says Dodgers going to put a beating on the Padres in Korea. Well, the Dodgers think they're a complete baseball team right now. And I, I can't find any reason to argue against that statement. And even though A.J. Preller used the word opportunity, I think, three times in one sentence, uh, they don't have a complete roster right now. I do think that Padre players, all those collective veterans who really had off-seasons or substandard seasons, I think they're all going to bounce back because they're just too good not to not to hit 280 with home runs instead of hitting 250 and struggling. Injuries played a little bit in that. But... A year ago this time, we were John and I were talking on our podcast about how deep the Padres starting staff was. They had a ton of guys. They are really wafer, wafer thin right now. And USA Today just just buried them in a column yesterday. Uh, just about the fact all the enthusiasm's gone, all the excitement's gone. Consider what the Padres were a year ago today. And now, now yesterday in Peoria, when they opened the gates, there were only 12 fans there, 12 people. Last year, you had to stand 10 deep in line on all the different fields to see them work out. So novelty's gone off. Electricity's gone down. We'll start the season. We'll just see. But AJ using the word opportunity means he hasn't filled the holes. Right. I, well, he still has some time left. And I, as a speaking as a Padre fan, I'm kind of recalibrating my expectation because, you know, of course, I love to see them go into Seoul and beat the Dodgers. But that's that's just a tall order. Now, do you think the Padres are seriously considering trading Hassan Kim? And do you think this Korea series is playing a role in their decision? No, they should not trade Hassan Kim. 
I mean, they have stepped up and paid exorbitant money to a lot of other people. This guy, if he has another banner season, deserves a payday. I don't know whether the payday is $15 million a year. He's going to make eight this season. You don't trade him. You trade him, it sends a bad message to John Riley and Poway, and you're really unhappy half the time already. <laughs> that, you don't yeah. think that's a bad message if you trade Kim right now? What does that say about your, your budget? What does it say about your leadership and, and your philosophy when you trade a star player? Oh, and be like a punch in the gut to the fan base, because we all love Asan Kim. Yep. So that's where we are. I'm not going to make a, a pick on the record the Padres are going to have till we get to the March series in Seoul, South Korea, because I want to see if there's another tweaking of the roster to take place. But I don't think they have enough with this roster they have right now. Oh, yeah, they don't have enough, but let's see what they get. Next question. Moving on. Okay, let's go to Matt. He says, hey, what do you think about the new NFL overtime format? I think everybody deserves the opportunity to win. And there was so much arguing about winning the the coin flip and then the other guy not getting a chance to score. So now they guarantee everybody the possession. I think what was really fascinating, if that game had ended in a tie in the overtime, then they go to a second overtime, which had never, ever happened in the history of the NFL. You think there was a little bit of tension, a little bit of excitement, a little bit of anticipation with that? Mm-hmm. Oh, that would have really been cool. But no, I, I agree. I give John the chance to do what he does, whether it's it's a field goal or a touchdown. I get the chance to do what I do. Now, the, the only asterisk next to that is if you take a safety, John, game is over because you had your possession, didn't score, and I got the ball and I scored. Mm-hmm. Game is over. Well, like I said, I like the college way because everyone gets – they both get equal chances. It's like baseball in extra innings, right? You know, the, the, each term takes a, te- takes a team at bat. Um, so I, I still think the NFL doesn't quite have it right, but it's better than it used to be. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Hey, what's wrong? Everybody gets a possession. And sometimes it might be a third possession. Yeah, it's just it's confusing when there's like when you want to get rid of the if this then that. You don't like crossword puzzles either. Yeah, well then when it comes to overtime in the Super Bowl, man, it's got to be head to head, man. Let's make You're it talking work. Talking in circles. Go to the next question. Okay, I am. All right, let's do a Bellinger comment here. Is he uh, Bellinger going back to the Cubs? Everybody seems to think that that might be the place, but I can't see two hundred million dollar package for the Cubs, even though. Bellinger, to me, is an ideal fit there. The way he plays the outfield, I mean, he plays gold glove center field. What he can do at first base is an alternative. And the fact he hits, he hit really well in Wrigleyville. I I would think it'd go back. But again, this is a stare down between Scott Boros, who's asking a $200 million package over, I want to say it was eight years. Eight years, $200 million. The Cubs do not want to commit $200 million to that guy. Uh, but that's right player in the right situation. Why would you want to go somewhere else? Make it a reasonable thing. You can't can't live on $150 million? I mean, it's crazy, the amount of money. And Boris just wants to take this client to the next level. Because I guarantee you next year is going to take that client, Juan Soto, to the higher level. That's what all this is about. Well, that's what he's paid to do, is to get the money. Show me the money. That's what Scott Boris is supposed to do. Now, do you think Bellinger and Snell might get into a situation? Let's say it's March 10th, March 15th. They're still not signed. Would they maybe take a one-year deal, you know, for good money, but for one year, and then bet on themselves? No, because they've already proved themselves. Snell's won two Cy Young Awards. There's nothing for him to prove. Now, maybe he's got to prove consistency and not be the the five-walk-per-game guy that he was in San Diego. But no, one-year deal, no. But let's be reasonable. You know, I... I said I'd I'd give Snell three years, 30 mil per. I'd rent a pitcher for three years. 
I would, I'm, I'd, you'd have to twist my arm to go five years, but I did say five years, 150 at one point with mm-hmm. Snell. I'd never go beyond that. And Bellinger, what's wrong with three years? He puts three years, great numbers on the board. He'll be a free agent again with still time left on the clock. Right. If I were king, that's what I would do, but I'm not Scott Boros. Go ahead. Okay, moving on. Let's go here to Callen. And he says, is it funny how the national media criticize the Padres for spending money on star players and they call it bad for baseball? But L.A. or New York signing a star player is great for baseball. Well, the revenue streams are one item. You know, a year ago this week, the word, not Sesame Street, the word was sustainability. And everybody was arguing the Padres have done this. Is this sustainable? And the Padres' ownership was offended that I would bring it up or the national media brought it up. Well, now everything's changed by virtue of the sadness of the passing of a great man and Peter Seidler and the loss of the TV contract with Bally Sports, which is huge. That's a big issue. So I think the part to me that was bad for baseball is to give players 10 11 and 14 year contracts that takes them beyond the age of 40 when you know their productivity level is going to drop John once they hit 32 or 35 that to me is the bad decision that Preller made the length of contracts not the amount of money that was given out on a yearly basis if there were shorter contracts I'd have no problem and that probably would be sustainable I don't think this is sustainable and now you add on what we, the loss of Seidler and the loss of the TV money, that's huge. Well, it makes you wonder what the conversations are like in the Padres front office, because we all know that an 11-year deal, a 14-year deal is just insane. It's outrageous. But you wonder, did Peter Seidler just say, "Go, just go do it, AJ. Just here's the money. Go spend it. Build a winner. I want to win before I pass away. And so when that's the objective, then all the, the fiscal discipline kind of gets set aside, right? I was told from people I trust that the guy that was the checks and balances guy in that ownership group was not Seidler. It was Ron Fowler. Oh. And that's why Ron left. Ron was losing these arguments, these conversations about what's responsible, the commitments you're making, not just for this season or next season. You're making them for 10 years out or 11 years out when guys are 42 years of age. And then Fowler, after the conversations went on and on, and Fowler just was not winning the conversations, Ron decided to check out. And Ron had done a lot of great things for sports in San Diego, and it's Peter's team, and Peter's going to sanction whatever he wants, and A.J. went and spent what he wanted to. So that, that to me, was the basis of the conversations behind closed doors and the people that told me that. I firmly believe that happened. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And Ron Fowler is a pretty successful businessman. Yes. So he kind of knows how to manage a balance sheet. But it, yeah, there's just a lot of emotion and there's a lot of stories to tell in that Padre uh, front office. Okay, a couple more here before I go to social media. Okay, let's go here to Emmanuel. Is Artie Moreno the biggest fall from grace as a baseball owner? He came in 2004 and signed players away from the Dodgers and lowered beer prices. Now it's the other way around. Well, I think he's been stung on a couple of different levels. I, I think he has been really badly hurt at this whole drug scandal that happened within that organization. And again, he's not in every office every day. But the fact that he had a player who died of an overdose to fentanyl and the fact that he had a public relations director that was dealing drugs nobody knew about, 
that's a big issue. And then and then for the player to die and then the family to sue and the family to sue Artie Moreno and the Angels organization, I think it hurt him a great deal. That being said, as an owner, he's made a lot of bad decisions. I mean, he lost, wasted, burned a lot of money on guys that first time I saw the contract Josh Hamilton got, I said, wow. And Hamilton was just, he was a drug addicted ball player who couldn't kick it. And then he did the he did the same thing on a monster contract with Justin Upton. He did the same thing with Vernon Wells. He was an impulsive owner, said, I want that guy. That guy's got a star next to his name. Some of these guys aren't good characters. Some of these guys had addictions. And he just burned through a lot of money and just made a lot of mistakes. So he's lost a whole bunch of credibility in the community. He did take care of Trout. He did get Otani, um, but at the same time, they've made a lot of player personnel mistakes. And now for him to just say, I'm I'm not going to sell the team. I'm going to run the team the way I want to run the team. And by the way, the payroll will be $50 million below what it was last year, and they haven't done anything to improve the team except these one-year contract rentals to guys who are not what I'd view difference makers. So that's why he's really, really fallen from grace. You know, isn't it? You know, you can add Albert Pujols, Pujols sure. to that list as well. Extended contract early on, okay, but ten years? You're yeah, kidding me. Yeah, and by that time he was like an old man at the end. You know, isn't it interesting though that you look at a lot of the major markets—New York, Chicago, LA, etc. There are always teams like that that you know should be competitive every year, like the Knicks or the White Sox or the Bears, and they've gone through so much struggle. I think the Angels are a team like that. Exactly. I mean, you, you look at some of the owners are just not real good people. Some of the other owners inherited the franchise and don't know what they're doing. And Moreno is a baseball guy, and he had success when he first bought the team, but he just could not reinvent that success. I feel bad for the Angel fans in Orange County. Hey, thanks for joining us, Emmanuel. Okay, let's go to Fernando here. Hey, thanks for the show. Would love for the coach to join. Fond memories of XTRA. Well, the offer's out there. We'll try to get his schedule to match my schedule. We'll bring him in here and let him do it. And maybe when I go on a holiday, he can co-host with John. And John will really have his hands full. <laughs> yes, I will. Okay, I actually, Callan, another comment here. Big ups to Steve Lavin, who's trying to rebuild USD men's basketball. Very young team, and they've won 15 games already. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he hit the jackpot that first year. He had a bunch of graduate guys came in on one year via the transfer portal and they were pretty competitive, ran out of steam at the end. What he's done this year with a really, really young team and only maybe two veteran, maybe three veteran players, it's it's been amazing. To me, the saddest part is nobody goes to their games. I mean, you see video of their home games, you can't find a person sitting in a seat. Uh, student body obviously doesn't pay very much attention. Community's not been enthralled by it, but he's a good man. He's a fine coach and a He's a really, really good person, and he's having success. Although nobody's paying much attention to what they're doing at the University of San Diego. Remember when he took over the job at UCLA back in the nineties? He was a young man then. Oh, he, was, yeah. he was like in his thirties, I think. So you know, good guy. He's a by the way, he's a Marin County, San Francisco guy as well. Um, and one of my friends is really tight with Lavin, and just always has great things to say about him. Yeah, he came off Gene Cady's staff, inherited a lot of the qualities of the very fine Purdue coach, and he did a good job. And then time ran. Out and things had to change, and then he went to St. John's, and he kind of fixed that. And then at the end, that didn't work. That's just a typical cycle of coaching. Yeah. Hey, let's go to social media. Okay, we got some comments here to get into, and let's go to. Um, 
let's go here. It took out little kings. Um, and this one is, uh, oh, whoops, I need to turn off the comment. There it goes. And this is, uh, this is from Karaoke. It says, Lee, you're absolutely correct. Blake is the problem, especially with the last couple of bonehead moves. What were the Kings management and specifically GM Blake thinking when he totally killed the Kings organization with a mind-boggling PLD contract? Also, before PLD disaster, Blake blew three-year, $15 million contract on Cal Peterson, another bust who was put on waivers. I concur with you, though I will tell you, I had a conversation with an NHL guy from another club. And I said, what do you think about the Kings are doing? Because I think Blake's done a hell of a job putting a lot of pieces in place. He said, this team's ready to win. And all of a sudden, this team is staggering and they're not winning. And they're not winning because some of the guys that he entrusted with big money contract extensions have failed. His PLD is Pierre-Luc Dubois. You know, if Columbus blows you out and you go to Winnipeg and they want to get rid of you, now you come to L.A., maybe it's on you rather than the club. But Dubois failed. Kevin Fiala has failed. They're struggling with goaltending. They lost a goaltender. Uh, I will say this, that Quentin Byfield, who was the 18-year-old kid uh, from Ontario that they drafted and they force-fed, he's got almost 20 goals. He's really played well. He's only been in the league maybe a year and a half total. they got a bunch of young defensemen that are playing in the AHL that keep going up and down, up and down. Maybe they're not quite ready there yet. So I'm not ready to fire Rob Blake, but there's some veteran players making huge amounts of money that need to be different players and different people and act differently, and they have not. And that's one of the reasons I've dragged, dragged, this, dragged this thing down. Boy, they had a had a crap weekend. They won their first game for Jim Hillier, the interim coach, and then they went into, was it Buffalo? And they got beat 7 nothing. I mean, they got stormed by the Sabres. So Blake's got a lot of, he's got a lot of issues, and he's the one that made the decision. So somewhere down the road, he'll probably be held accountable. But there's some players there that have not panned out. And I, and I don't understand why. When you see flashes of Dubois being a big physical force forward, scoring goals, why the hell does that not happen for all 82 games, the amount of money he's making? Yeah, exactly. Well, if you were Rob Blake, if you were King, what were the changes you would make to that roster? Well, you can't because nobody wants $8 million a year contracts. And he's got about four of those guys making mega money. I mean, this is not about Kopitar and this is not about Kempe. Obviously, it's not about Quentin Byfield. And it's surely not about uh, Drew Doughty, uh, the star defenseman. But, geez, he got guys that are just not earning their money. Driving me crazy. <laughs> Moving on. Let's get another social media. Talk about Mahomes. Um, this is from M.A. And he says, Mahomes is reaping the benefit of recently changed defensive rules, making it a penalty for anyone to hit a quarterback. Dan Fouts endured more hits in one season than Mahomes will ever see in his entire career. And Fouts was a far superior passer and player. And no one puts him on the NFL Mount Rushmore. Please, franchise, I count on you <laughs> to manage the hype and not inflate it. If I know you can name a dozen, I know you can name a dozen better passers than Mahomes over the years who are beaten down to a pulp because the game is soft now. If you want to see contact and hitting, it's still around in hockey, but not the NFL. Mr. 808, first of all, the game is bigger, faster, much more physical. These are very different players now than from the Dan Fouts era. Um, the, the changes in the game have come as a byproduct of head injuries, concussions, and CTE, which is a realistic part of the aftermath of the National Football League. My gut feel is, has the game changed? Yeah. Do you need to protect the quarterbacks? Well, the quarterbacks are the ones that make the league go. 
Uh, you, you, you can't pull back 1982 things and say, well, it was different then and those guys were good. Those guys are not playing against the guys that are playing now. And the game was, is much more complex, much more f- faster, much more physical and violent. Um, you would want Dan Fouts to have the protection in the pocket today that Patrick Mahomes has. And Mahomes makes plays because he's a very unique and very, very different athlete. So I'm not going to buy your whole theory that yesterday was great because those guys take punishment. If those guys had to take that kind of punishment now, they'd be in a hospital and their careers would be over. Trust me, because I'm I'm dealing with friends of mine who are ex-Chargers from my era as a voice of the Chargers. I'm dealing with these players who have concussions and are going to die from CTE, and they know it. So I can't I can't buy the theory that yesteryear was great. This is a different year. It's a different style of game, and the end result to me is really, really bad. And that's why the league has been so proactive to change the scope of the game from the rules to the equipment. Well, I'm glad they're making these changes. I mean, because, yeah, people's their, their lives are at stake. But there has never, in my opinion, been a player anything like Patrick Mahomes in NFL history. I mean, we've had the pocket passers, we've had the running quarterbacks, the run, you know, the run and shoot quarterbacks. But Mahomes is a different breed. He's, I mean, he's he's a combination of of athleticism and unbelievable intellect. Agreed. He is he is a little bit of Elway. He's a little bit of Peyton Manning. He's a lot of Lamar Jackson, and he's obviously Patrick Mahomes, and he's with. A coach who devises X's and O's that protect him, help him, and allow him to be creative, if that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, he's a special guy. He's on my Mount Rushmore, (laughs) especially with the rings he has. Hey, let's talk a little Dodgers. Uh, This is from Kevin. He says... Postseason wins are the hardest to get in baseball, and the 2020 postseason took the most wins to win a ring in the history of MLB. Even though it's a shorter season, so be it. They were the best at the end of the season. So be it. You take it and go from there. Uh, The fact that it is one of the richest franchises that's spent so well and has done so many things to bring great foreign players here. The fact they have only one legitimate ring since 1988 uh, the the Kirk Gibson ring, mm-hmm. that's amazing to me. But it's hard to win in postseason. And you know, do you get to postseason? You get, two things have to happen when you get to October. You got to be hot and you got to be healthy. Oh yeah. And if either one of those things isn't right, you might not survive. And then you know, then people bark. Oh, we wild card shouldn't be best of one, shouldn't be best of three. Well, <laughs> you can't be playing till Christmas. So you know, you got to if you're going to change postseason schedule, you got to decrease the 162-game schedule, maybe push the sucker back uh, to 154. But uh, Dodgers, great organization, tremendous success. Of course, now everybody is held accountable. What you do in October? That's why Dave Roberts, is as much as he has won, and he's got better winning percentages than Lasorda and Smokey Alston, he's still kind of held at a distance that, geez, you only, only did this one time. What have you really won? Well, I don't know if you judge it that way, but we look at it differently. Well, this is just all part of the smack talking of sports, right? So you're a Padre fan. Yeah, you're going to zing the Dodger fan for that 2020 Mickey Mouse World Series ring. But if you're a Padre and they won in 2020, you'd be celebrating it, you know, for the next 10 years. Um, So, yeah, it's just fun. It's just how we poke each other. Okay, one more social media. Pick one here. Okay, let's uh, let's go here to... 
uh, talking about Hacksaw. And this is from Leisure Fryer. And he (laughs) says, in all honesty, there isn't one person in local San Diego media that can hold a candle to Hacksaw's sports knowledge. I'm not talking just about olden days, but current. Wood stumbles on Padres and knows nothing else. John and Jim kick ass. But again, Hacksaw trumps them all. You're all right. Thank you. I am bleeping brilliant. I know what I know, and I present it the way I present it, and it's worked really well for a long, extended period of time. Other guys are going to do it differently. I I don't really care. Uh, you know, the scoreboard does not lie. What we built at 690, what we continued at 1090 with all of our talk show hosts, unfortunately, all of them are now off the air, which is kind of really strange. But management makes its decision. And in terms of the guys that criticize me, you know, Woods is it was an FM jock turned jerk. Uh, uh, the other guys are on a big signal and have no radiance whatsoever. We all do it differently. That's fine. What we're doing is been really successful here and we launched this thing 14 15 months ago and it just just exploded it's absolutely amazing so we all have different styles but thank you for the compliment and i hope you'll spread the word about what we're doing on our podcast and spread the word what we're doing on our website well you said none of the guys from 690 are on the air right now what about steve hartman what's he been up to he's just gone back and he's just doing part-time tv in los angeles okay and so he's not not i was making reference to sports talk radio i should probably correct it the only one that's still here that's still doing it is darren smith who does a midday show on 760 uh and unfortunately he's surrounded by a lot of stuff that doesn't work and they have no ratings at all it's just terrible and the fan has the ratings because they're the last one standing they have the padres play by play and 1090 new ownership came in and tried to do something radically different and didn't want to do shows and didn't want to pay us and i'm not working for free and none of the other guys i know that were approached want to work for free so they're not what they used to be even though quote you know they use the slogan mightier 1090 so we all do it differently that's okay we had a tremendous run i appreciate it and i reflect back on it and people around the nation know what we did we were the first one through the wall and we we had a spectacular run sometimes you wish you say geez i wish it hadn't ended or but was out of our control. Yeah, I mean, those were glory days back in the yep. 90s, listening to, to, to 690. But I, I just want to reiterate what Leisure Fryer says. You know, John Schaefer, by the way, the John and Jim, mm-hmm. he's very good. Um, I listened to him in the pregame and the halftime shows during the Aztec basketball, and I think he's an up-and-coming star. Well, he's going to have his opportunity. It's it, You know, you can be a star by yourself, surrounded by guys hitting 185, and then your whole team doesn't do well. I mean, it blows my mind that 760 has no ratings, virtually none. Wow. And yet they're on a big signal. But that, again, goes back to host. It goes back to content. It goes back to packaging. The fact, if I were king, (laughs) John and Jim, that's fine. Yeah. Darren and Marty, that's fine. I'd hire Hacksaw and I'd hire a coach and I'd hire Kaplan. And then you could recreate the greatness. But they don't do that. And they have like 24th in the market. I get the ratings every month. I see all the day parts. I know what's going on. You know, corporate has to commit to do it right with the right people. And if you're not going to do it, you're just going to throw something on the air. Say, oh, we got a signal and we're doing talking sports. If it's not the right people. It doesn't work. Ask 760. 
S1090. Yeah, well, I think the days are different now. You know, I think you have to be a multimedia presence. You can't just be on TV or radio or internet. You got to be able to do it all. Okay. We hope you have enjoyed our podcast. We're here Thursdays at 1 p.m., Monday bonus podcast at 1 p.m., and it's brought to you by Dixon Line Lumber and Home Center Stores, nine locations to serve you in San Diego, and by the good people at North County Eye Center of Poway and Escondido, You're going to need some help with your eyesight down road, or maybe right now, think North County Eye Center, Poway and Escondido. Weird, we have no football this weekend. I'm just kind of... Hey, John, I got got Aztecs, New Mexico tomorrow night. Payback, baby. It's going to be good. This ain't the pit. (laughs) Have yourself a great sports weekend, John. We'll see you come Monday with bonus coverage. Looking forward to it. And thanks for being with us on Hacksaw's Headlines. Join us again for Hacksaw's Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. Touchdown, San Diego! For more content, go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com.